Hi, I'm Sabrina Soto. I believe the best conversations are with friends who are really able to open themselves up and share their lives, both the good parts and the bad. You're going to be listening to some of those candid conversations and hopefully gaining some insight to help you redesign your life from the inside out. Today's guest is Egypt Sherrod. You probably know her from HGTV's Flipping Virgins and Property Virgins. She's also the CEO of her own company, an amazing mother, wife, and a great friend. I met Egypt a few years ago. We shot a pilot for a talk show together, and this woman is a force of nature. She is intelligent. She is very authentic. Today, we are talking about forgiveness. She recently posted something on Instagram that was super vulnerable about her own life and forgiveness with her family. And I think a lot of us deal with this, holding grudges, knowing when to let go. And I learned so much from this conversation. I hope you have the same takeaway that I did, but let's get started. Egypt, thank you for being part of Redesigning Life. Hi, Sabrina. Hi, doll. (laughs) So I'm, you know, living my best life. (laughs) Um, So today I want to talk about something that you just posted about and that I am also dealing with in my personal life, and that is forgiveness and letting go. Why don't you tell everybody the story that you posted about yesterday? You know, I, I, (laughs) I don't know where to start with that, I guess, because on my social media pages, I don't post for likes, right? I post whatever is on my mind, I post, I use my social media pages a catharsis, right? Whether I'm feeling good or bad, whatever is going on in my life, my mind is what I post. Um, I don't, I don't post it to get more followers. If that comes organically, great. Uh, so I was, I was happily taken aback when I had gotten so many responses to something that I was just trying to be very transparent about. Last week, I had a major surgery, so I'm actually stuck in my bed for the next six weeks um, until I heal, and it's, it's amazing what happens when you slow down and you allow yourself to be in your skin, uh, all of the thoughts and the memories and things that start to come back to you. This is almost like a counseling session just sitting here in my bed, right? Yeah, <laughs> so- yeah it's like meditation. <laughs> You know, it really is because I, you know, I'm usually bombarded with my kids or my business or something, but having to sit still just this week, I have explored so many things that are are great about my life, things I could have done differently. uh, And it's just allowed me the space to reflect, which I think we all need. So let me just say, there's going to be value in meditation for me after all of this. Yes. Yes. (laughs) But I was, I went to sleep the other night thinking about my grandmother. Her name, it was Ruthie May. She's from the South. So, you know, they all use their first and middle names um, back then. Uh, Everybody, you know, her friends just called her Ruth and I called her Mama. She passed away some years ago and my daughter Kendall was two. So it's now about almost six years ago. It's been, been some time, but I had never fully grieved over her. And I, what I was grieving over was regret for so many years. Um, regret because when she passed away so unexpectedly, we were actually not talking. We hadn't talked in over a year and a half. 
And I own a lot of that. What happened was I, you know, I got married and I asked my stepfather to walk me down the aisle because he raised me since I was three years old. He's the one who put me through college. Uh, he was there for all the bumps and bruises of life. When I was sick, he would pick me up. He'd take care of me. He made the chicken noodle soup. As far as I was concerned, he was dad. You know, he was the daddy in my life. My biological father, um, he used to abuse my mother. And I, you know, again, I was very young, so I don't remember a lot of it, but I know that's why they split. Mm -hmm. And he was, you know, he was strung out on drugs early in his life, even though he turned his life around. By the time he turned his life around, I was already too old to have really bonded with him. Right. If that makes sense. I knew who he was. I wished him well, but we didn't really bond. So here I am in my 30s getting married, by the way. I got married at um, 34. So I invited my biological father to the wedding, you know, because I didn't hold any grudges. And, you know, obviously he turned his life around. I didn't want him to be discluded from my wedding. Um, but I thought it would go without saying that the man who raised me, who was my daddy, who'd been there for everything, would be the one walking me down the aisle, if that makes sense. Right. And, you know, some people, but some people, you say right, but some people don't get that. And it was perceived in my family on my biological father's side to be to be a no-no. And so for those that I was in contact with and speaking with, they disowned me because of it. It was very hurtful. Wow. Um, they, they wouldn't speak to me. They all wouldn't come to the wedding. My grandmother, who I had always had an incredible close relationship with. I mean, this was the woman who, you know, who, who brought me my first pair of high heels and taught me how to walk in them. You know, she took me to Atlantic City with her when I was like eight years old and, and taught me how to gamble. Now, some people might say, well, that's not a good influence, but that's the relationship we had. She, she was, was fun. Spicy. Yeah, she was fun. She was spicy. She'd been married three times and, you know, she still went on dates with all of her ex-husbands. You know, I love was, it. <laughs> she was that woman. She was self-made too, having come from, you know, little to nothing in the South, having moved to the North. And, um, you know, she, she went into business and she's in a furniture business. She was just bad. Everybody knew Ruth, you know, to be this fly older woman and she was going to live her best life. So to me, she was everything. Um, she taught me to be independent, to always make my own money so that I could, you know, be, I could govern my own happiness and direction in life as well. Never to be dependent on someone. It didn't mean that we couldn't share or that you could have a partner, but never be fully dependent on someone. And so she meant a lot to me when she did not come to my wedding. I took it the hardest. I was crying the day before my wedding. Like, you know, I can't believe that at the happiest time in my life, I'm feeling so sad because a whole side of my family has disowned me. But did you talk to her? Yeah, well, yeah. Well, here's the thing. She was living with my biological father at the time. Um. Now, but, but understand that as far as I knew and my sister knew, uh, she was living with him because he had health conditions. So she was living with him, helping to take care of him, and that he was also taking care of her as she was getting older. So that was our understanding. We did not find out until she passed away unexpectedly um, at her funeral service, or I should say memorial service, because her body was not brought up north for a funeral, which was a whole nother drama. Um, but it was a memorial of her, which is how I think she would have liked to have gone out anyway. Um, I found out that she had dementia and imagine me sitting there at her funeral with all these regrets already of mm -hmm. having not talked to her, someone that I would talk to almost every day that I hadn't talked to her in over a year. Um, and then I find out 
that she suffered from dementia? How did I not know? How did we not know? Why didn't she share that with us? And all these emotions came flooding to me. Uh, and I realized, based off of the information I was finding out at the memorial service, that she had suffered from dementia for, for years. So if this had been years, how was she hiding this from us when we would talk like every day or every other day? You but know? It, in, um, in addition to that, do you then wonder if that was one of the reasons she made the decision not to attend your wedding? Oh my goodness, Sabrina, the, the tears I cried, like the, the regret I've suffered, the guilt that I've had because she was so good to me and we had such a great relationship. And I remember how hurt I was that she didn't come. If I only knew, but the secrets that people hold in family sometimes, it's so deep for, for whatever reasons, especially with our elders, they, they don't want people to know their dirty laundry or they don't want even family members to see them in a bad way. Right. And it made sense why for, for like that past eight months before I would always, I lived in a different state than she did, but I would always want to come visit her. And she, it was always a bad time to come visit her. And, uh, and I you took it, it personally. Well, yeah, I thought it was my biological father not wanting me to come to his house. Mm -hmm. I thought it all tied back to him because we always had a great relationship up until she started living with him, right? It's just because so, she was hiding from you. She was hiding, not from me, but from a lot of people. Right. You know, so this news about dementia was known amongst her children, my aunts and her son and, you know, some of her best friends, but her grandchildren and some extended family, we didn't know. But I couldn't understand as close as I thought we were, why she would hide that from me, why she would not just say, baby, I love you. I wish I could be there, but I can't be there because this is what I'm struggling with. Even if she didn't want to say dementia, even if she said I'm sick. But the only thing I could think was knowing her. She didn't tell me because maybe she was, she was a very prideful person, right? Because everybody knew her as Ruthie. She was very, you know, fly all her life. Maybe she had depreciated and helped so much that she didn't want to be seen by other people. Mm -hmm. And she didn't necessarily want me to um, stress out or be worried or sick about, you know, or grief about her health leading up to my wedding. Right. So again, when I say I've cried a million tears over it, and then I was able to let it go, I think once life starts to pick up and, you know, with the birth of my new child too, and it, just everything, um, I, I, those emotions were in the back burner for me for a long time. But do you, looking back now though, do you think, what would you have done differently? I suppose is what I would love to ask wow. you. Wow. I think... Even having not known, you know, I didn't have all the information, just as far as my behavior. I think I, what I learned is don't sweat the small stuff, in family especially. And I know that at the time it seemed like everything, it wasn't small. Right. But I should have known her character more than to think that, that she would leave me hanging because you know, to follow with the Joneses, if you will. I should have known her character better. I should have trusted her more. And instead of being so focused on myself and my wedding and being bridezilla and what do you mean you can't come, to think to myself, if my grandmother, who I've always been very close to, if she's not coming, let me, let me pick up the phone instead of just having an attitude and being mad and to myself about it. And, and having this, you know, refusal to contact her, <laughs> you know, let, Ego. Let, let me pick up the phone or let me get my butt on a plane and go ahead and fly out whether mm -hmm. she wanted me there or not and see her and check on her. Let me take the initiative to, to dig deeper and find out why, because often 
when we get hurt about things, um, it's, it's much of it is because we don't understand the reason why. Right. Really think about that. Like when, if, if someone cheats on us, we're hurt about it and we want to know why. And right. if we don't know why it's like unfinished business. And, you know, if we, if we have a friend who does us dirty or dogs us, we're like, but I thought we were friends. Why? And if, why? We, can't, if we can't understand the why, then that's why we're hurt. And there's no healing and not understanding. How well, not just that, then you start making up stories of that. You're not worthy enough, but wait, going back to what you were saying about not sweating the small stuff, especially when it comes to family, but in that situation where you were right before your wedding, it didn't seem small to you. It was actually huge. So of course, in hindsight, it's 2020, you're looking back now and you're like, God, it wasn't that big of a deal. But back then it was a big deal. So how do you see past that in the moment? In that moment that it happened then? Yes. Meaning like when, if, if somebody's listening to this and they're upset right now over somebody who's hurt them in some way, how do you foresee the future knowing that this isn't a big deal? You know what, Sabrina, I still struggle with that. <laughs> I, I, I'm not going to sit here like, you know, some guru that has it all figured out. <laughs> yeah. I, I still struggle with that. But I think that, you know, her lesson, that lesson I learned from my grandmother's death, never getting to spend quality time with her before she died, not being able to tell her how much I loved her despite being disappointed that day, not finding out that she was sick because I didn't do my due diligence enough to say, you're not going to deny me anymore. I'm getting on the plane. I'm coming to see you, you know, like mm-hmm. I'm just going to be there and tell me no to my face, you know, type of thing. Um, in, in that moment, um, I know that I was bruised from having felt like a whole side of the family disowned me. And so having my grandmother was like, the, you know, not come was the last straw. If right. I could get back that moment in time, if I could do it differently, um, what I would have done instead is had more grace. I would have reached out to each and every one of them who disowned me instead of with anger, I would have reached out with understanding and taken myself you know, off of the top as though it all revolves around me and simply said, I realize that you all are hurt for reasons that you don't necessarily fully understand. Um, my decision is based upon who raised me, who was there for me as far back as I can remember. I invited Ted, that's my biological father's name. I invited him because I want him to be included, but I, I would never have invited him if I thought it would hurt him that he wasn't walking me down the aisle. I think right. that, you, you know, I think that you guys are responding very rash you know, but at the same time, I understand if you have to bow out, I still love you. And I hope that you decide to come as I will still leave the seats available. Um, but I understand if you can't make it with love and that's how I would have left it with more grace, if that makes sense. Um, and but, uh, now fast forward to today, are you in contact with anybody in your biological father's side? No. Still? Well, they, um, they really, I've reached out. Uh, I've reached out <laughs> and you know what, Sabrina, here's the truth that I had to recognize. I, I really did get to a space of healing with them where I was ready to say, just put it all behind us. I love you. You know, life is too short, especially after having lost my mom and we went to the memorial and I saw everyone and I miss you and I, I love you. And it doesn't matter that you didn't come to, to the wedding and we all had our feelings about it. Let's put it behind us. And they are not open to it at all. So that's, imagine, imagine being, you know, 
30-something, you finally meet the love of your life. You want all your family to meet them. They meet them, and you're excited for your big day. And that same day is tied into you know, some of the most traumatic grief of your life where you right. literally, you lost, you lost aunts, you lost yes. uncles, you lost cousins, you know, and, and I have not, my husband and I have been married over nine years now, nine and a half years now. Um, and I haven't spoken to them and not, not by my choosing in nine and a half years. So in a situation like that, where you don't have the capability of communicating with someone if how do you find forgiveness when there is no quote unquote closure conversation or any of that? Here, here's what I've done, Sabrina, and I'm okay with it now. Um, I love them anyway, and and let me you love them anyway. Let me let me expound on that. It takes entirely too much energy to to remain angry. It takes our life's energy to, um, to, to be sad, disappointed and want to feel vindictive or, you know, just want some sort of revenge or want to have the final say on something that's too much negative energy. And what happens when we allow that kind of toxic energy to take over our body is it makes us sick physically, that's true, physically sick, spiritually sick. It, it kills the prospects for future for us and it makes it impossible for your blessings to land on you. We're blocking our own blessings by putting up a shield of hate. So I refuse that for my life. I don't that want, is absolutely true. I don't want that for my life. I want happiness. I want all of God's blessings. I want my daughters to feel love when they see me, when they hold me. And I can't allow my heart to be um, toxified. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Is, that a, is that even a word? I don't know. No, it is because it, you're absolutely, I'm going through something similar in a situation in my life where I was holding on so much to disappointment and I was just upset. And the more that I held on to it, the more I was, I felt like I was getting sick. And once I actually let it go, it's so bizarre how quickly the universe can change in your favor where because you have to let go of things that are no longer serving you and that can be holding on to not forgiving someone in order for new blessings to come into your life there's no way for them to come in if you're holding on to something and you're grasping it in your hands absolutely yeah you can't you don't allow anything if you can't allow anything to flow into you how is anything good going to flow out and that's how universal energy works it's what we give the world what we give the universe is what it gives us back but when we put up blocks, right? Emotional, spiritual blocks, then nothing can flow in or out. And so we remain stagnant. And that means there's no growth. Where there's no growth, there is death. Where there's where's that, that kind of death, that toxic energy, there's disease. I want you to think about something. When, when we're sick, when people have cancer, um, you know, when they have, um, you know, all of these ailments, MS, what have you, they call it disease. Yes? But yes, when you, disease. When, when you break it down, it's dis-ease. Right. It's some sort of emotional tie to these sicknesses that people get. And often um, when when you sit down and have conversations with people, like I have a girlfriend who um, she had cancer, it's in remission, um, but I have been with her through that walk. Uh, And what I found is that she was going to chemo. You know, she was trying to heal, trying to get back to herself. She would always just in the middle of the night call me with, thoughts, random thoughts about her life and about relationships and things that happened. And she would say, why was I holding on to that? Why did I let that make me so angry? Why did I let that make me so sick? 
And she's like, I, I feel like I need to let it go. Like I can't heal until I let it go. And this was just mm-hmm. something that organically came to her in her thoughts at night. And she was mm-hmm. able, you know, as she was going through the chemotherapy, she was unable to unravel the emotional tangle that she was experiencing through her whole life. And so now she, her cancer's, um, you know, gone. She is out here running marathons, looking incredible. <laughs> she's almost 50 out here running marathons. Uh, but she's a happier person. And when she goes out and talks to people, I sit, I sit back in amazement. She says, I'm glad it happened to me because I was such an ill person. She said, not before the cancer hit, I was ill. I could never let anything go. I held on to everything. I held grudges. I was always angry. I was always tense. I was such an ill person, and I didn't enjoy one bit of my life before I was diagnosed with cancer. She says, now I wake up every day, and I live it like it's my last day, and I'm such a happy and free spirit. That is so profound. And I think some people should know, too, is during that time where you are letting go or forgiving, it's going to feel uncomfortable. And there might be some time during that stage where you feel depressed or sad or anger. And that's okay. That's part of the process. You need to feel that in order to get to the next step of your life. Sabrina, I think that's so, oh God, that's so honest. Yeah, (laughs) because I'm going through it. (laughs) Sabrina, what, what are you dealing with? Because it sounds, and I can just tell from our conversation, like some of this is really hitting home with you. And I try to keep up with you on social media, you know, (laughs) over the years, been trying to just check in on you, but we we don't have these type of conversations too often. I don't know if that's something you shared with your audience. Not very much because, you know, every day is a new day, but Lately, it's just been disappointment from relationships and also just my past. Weirdly, as I am healing and going through um, manifesting and meditation, a lot of things from my childhood are getting sort of brought to the surface, things I haven't thought about in years. So it's been sort of this journey that I'm going through of allowing those sort of feelings to come up and not push them away, which is what I've always done for years. I just, mm. I, I put them right back down and I shove them really far, far back into my soul so I don't feel the pain. And what I'm starting to realize now is actually feeling the pain and sitting in that uncomfortable moment, it will pass. The more I try to pacify it, doing whatever it is, I, you know, venting, sometimes gossiping and venting about it, it's, it's not good. It's actually the worst thing I think you could do for your problems is sit and talk about them for hours or, you know, sometimes overindulging in in wine or whatever the case may be. I'm starting to realize the more I just sit and allow myself to be uncomfortable, the more, the faster I get to healing and the faster I'm manifesting better things for me. Wow. You know, there, there is so much power in what you just said because, this is something I had to learn too. Instead of when people say, how, how are you doing? You know, what's going on? Instead of saying, Oh, I'm great. Everything's good. You know what that is? That's the face that we put on for the public. Right. Not that you, not that you want to say, Oh, I got all (laughs) this stuff going on. You know, you don't want to be that person, but it's okay to say, you know, I'm doing all right on a scale of one to 10. I'm doing a five today. Tomorrow will be better. Right. You know, you know, it's okay to when, when things happen to us to be in the moment, and experience them instead of trying to push them aside. Because all it's going to do is turn into baggage that comes up in some other form of fashion in our life. That's right. right. It's, to, it's, to, it's to deal with it. And as my mom would say, when I would say, mom, I'm just going through it today. She would say, no, baby, you're growing through it today. Yes. You're growing through it. She says, this is a necessary part of your journey. 
this is going to be an important chapter in your book for people to read. <laughs> right. So, so live through it and grow through it instead of gr- going through it. And there's so much power in words, Sabrina. So I want you to know, I really heard you just now when you said, when you were, and I'm going to say growing through it, when you were growing through your pain, you found that you were talking and gossiping about it, but it's great that you acknowledged it because what that means is you have the power to stop. That's where right. the shift occurs. You know, once, once you recognize a bad pattern of behavior or that you were speaking life more so to things that you didn't want. Right. Happen, right? You were giving so much mental energy and time to what you didn't want to occur in your life that what's going to happen is it turns into a cycle that keeps perpetuating itself because you're not allowing yourself any point to heal. That's absolutely, I don't know. Do you listen to Abraham Hicks at all? No, I'm not familiar with Abraham Hicks. Is that somebody I should look up? Well, there, she, if you ever watched The Secret, the first, uh, the first edition, they were on there. And anyway, they talk a lot about that. The more you actually resist, the more you're talking about things, you're bringing it into your atmosphere. It's mm. not that to say that you can't speak about your problems, of course, but when you're constantly talking about the problem, you're just bringing more problems to you. It's, yes. like, it's shifting your mindset and saying, yes, this is a problem. Yes, this person did that to me. But just what you said earlier when you said, I choose to love them anyway, mm-hmm. that is so powerful because even the per- people that hurt you, you can still find something to appreciate in them and then let them go. You know what? Um, before my husband, Sabrina, I, um, I was engaged to someone else. Funny enough, well, I, I, let me not put names out there. <laughs> but, <laughs> but, but, um, so I was engaged to someone else. We had been together for five years. And um, I could not reconcile for a long time what happened. Uh, he cheated on me. He had a baby on me. With um, Yes, exactly. <laughs> and I had to find out because I, I went, I was at his place. We still kept separate places at the time and I was cleaning up for him, you know, vacuuming, cleaning, washing, you know, she's doing all the things that I was used to doing, taking care of my man at the time. And I happened to see something from underneath the mattress sticking out. It looked like mail. And I'm like, why is he sticking that mail? Let me put this over there, you know, at the front table. And as I pulled the piece of um, paper out, there were more papers that were coming out with it, like attached. So I lift up the mattress and see all of these papers that were between the box spring and the mattress. And I'm like, what is this? Is this where, is this his filing system? <laughs> like, what is going on? And it was actually child support orders. Whoa. So that is how I found out that he had another baby during our relationship. And, it, and not only did he have this other baby, he wasn't taking care of the baby. Um, and that, that destroyed me in such a way. When I say I was so broken, I wasn't eating. I lost about 30 pounds. Um, when he came home, I, this is the crazy Scorpio in me. I threw his TV off the balcony. Wow. Uh, <laughs> Thank God I nobody mean, was underneath there. <laughs> I know. I, well, no, I, I, knew, I knew better than that. But at the same time, I was so broken. I was young at the time, too, yeah. okay? But I was, I was in my 20s. Um, I was so broken, so confused, couldn't understand how, how someone who I loved and trusted so much. And again, I said, we always want to know the why and yeah. the how and, you know, all of that. And really, it had nothing, nothing to do with you. With me. Nothing and, and to no, do with nothing. you. 
nothing. And I've spent, I've spent years trying to reconcile that. Like even after I broke off the engagement and moved on, I spent so many years trying to reconcile that because I thought I'm not pretty enough. I'm not worthy you know, enough. I, I'm not worthy enough. My, my waist is not small enough. Uh, you know, and I started picking myself apart, um, you know, wanting to know who she is so I can see how she looks and, you know, and all just trying to understand who who, who this woman was who was able to steal my man away from me. And for a while, I, I faulted her. And then I faulted him. I faulted myself. It was just this vicious circle of destruction. And what I had to finally, my healing came when I finally understood that it had nothing to do with me. I, it could have been, he could have been engaged to 30 other women. It, it had to be the space he was in at his life in that time. That's what he, okay. So please explain this to the, the people who are listening because this is so powerful, but let's, I'm going to be devil's advocate. What do you mean it had nothing to do with you? He cheated on you. Yeah, but he was unhappy with himself. He was right. unfulfilled. He had doubts. Uh, he had his own level of insecurities. Um, he had fears and it manifested in a way of him finding a way to pacify that. Sometimes right. when people pacify their emotions, it's through a bottle, it's through alcohol, it's through drugs, it's through sex, yes. it's through lying and cheating. However, they're finding a way to put a bandaid on these emotional scars that they're feeling. Because so if somebody I- was super secure and, and stable, they would be able to feel feel the pain of insecurity and just deal with it instead of having to run and get validated somewhere else. Sure. Or just came to me and said, I'm afraid. I don't know that I'm ready for marriage or, you know, just, just done something very adult like. Right. Right. (laughs) So, but, but again, I spent years until I finally had an aha moment and I would love to say it happened in counseling or therapy, but it didn't. It happened in prayer. It happened on my knees crying, you know, because, here I was now, you know, approaching 30 at that time I was approaching 30 and, um, you know, broke it off and thought I had my whole life figured out, engaged to this man. He was this great sports agent. And, you know, we're going to have this wonderful life and I can't marry a lie. And I know I can't, I got to be on my knees in prayer. And I was living through so much hurt that I turned into this ugly, ugly person. And that's what it does. Anger. Anger and all, you know, when we're hurt and we don't find a way to release it, it changes who we are from the inside out. Yes, ma'am. And I turned into this ugly person. Everything I did was a reflection of how I felt on the inside. So I didn't want to be, I didn't like who I was looking at in the mirror anymore after a few years. And I needed to make a change. And I prayed, how do I, I want to get back to me. I'm sick of this person, whoever she is that I'm looking at, I'm sick of it. You know, all of this material items I'm buying to fill the void, you know, all of the places I'm going and these random people that I'm seeing is just not filling the void. I got to find happiness from the inside out. Right. And, and, and I'm telling you, when you said, when you're ready, when you say no more to your behavior, when you say no more pity party, when you say no, no more, I'm not going to be a victim anymore. That's not going to be the narrative of my life. I am deserving of love. I am a wonderful person. I am deserving of all the promises that were made for my life. And I'm claiming them. I'm here to claim them. I'm changing the narrative. That is when the shift occurs. Yes. Wait, oh God. My poor dog just jumped. <laughs> He's like, what happened? Okay, so was that your aha moment when you were praying? You were like, yes, this is enough is enough. Is that, was that your aha? Yeah, I kind of got, I got sad for myself, but angry at myself too, yes. Sabrina. 
Yes. You know, and you got to get, you got to get uncomfortable with yourself. Yes. You know, again, being comfortable in our misery is a, is a, that's a place where you can't grow. You know, being comfortable in anything, you can't grow. Get uncomfortable with yourself. Right. Get, get, to, the, get to this space where you're sick and tired. Of being of sick and tired. <laughs> <laughs> I am sick and tired of this. I'm going to change it. And yes. only you can change it. That's, that's it. right. You, and all of your friends could be like, no, you know, that's not right for you or you should stop doing that. And you listen, but until you are ready and you know when you're ready, my sister always says it's that deep, deep, deep down feeling. And you know when you get there, it's when you know a shift is about to happen. Woo! Yes. Yes. I feel like I'm going to do a dance. I'm going to do a Holy Ghost dance. (laughs) No, no, you just had surgery. You stay. Please don't do the dance. I will do the dance for both of us. Uh, Egypt, thank you so much. Where can people find you on social media? Oh my goodness, Sabrina, I'm just me, and I'm at Egypt Sherrod, uh, E-G-Y-P-T-S-H-E-R-R-O-D on Instagram. That's where you see my family and all the good stuff, um, you know, that I randomly post. But my website is EgyptSherrod.com. Thank you so much, Egypt. I love you, girl. I love you, too.